Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. We come before the Lord today, we celebrate uh, this finality of the octave of Easter here, which is Divine Mercy Sunday, a time when we celebrate the, the magnificent surprise of God's overwhelming goodness for us that goes far beyond what we deserve, that delights us with his, this gift of his mercy. So we could take a moment now to call to mind our sins so that we may cherish anew what a tremendous gift this is. God of everlasting mercy, who in the very recurrence of the Paschal Feast kindle the faith of the people you have made your own, increase, we pray, the grace you have bestowed that all might grasp and rightly understand in what font they have been washed, by whose spirit they have been reborn, by whose blood they have been redeemed. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, and the doors were locked, and stood in their midst, and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands. And bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus said, Many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. One of the big uh, challenges that we face in our walk with the Lord and trying to grow in prayer 
is that on the one hand, it's impossible to really understand God. It's impossible to have a really full, complete image of who God is, how God operates. It's impossible. But on the other hand, it's really important that we try. That we try to understand God. That we try to have an image of God. So it's impossible to have an image of God. And it's really important that we try. And so we get at this by using analogies, using like artistic language for artistic expression. For example, it's impossible to really get at what God is like. It's really something that you really should be able to look at. Kids were really little, you know, they were all 
doing what kids do, and she got a little upset, so she was yelling a little bit, and then uh, her, her third son, this has become a, a big family phrase that we, that we use, her third son, after she kind of yelled and blew up a little bit, he just looked at her and said, Mom, relax, have a cup of coffee, right? So <laughs> that's become our family phrase, and every time he gets upset, relax, have a cup of coffee, right? Because even the most merciful person, even the person who is above and beyond loving, at times can reach their breaking point. And what we celebrate today is the fact that our God, in fact, does not have a breaking point. Our God never becomes irrationally upset at us. Our God is so consistently seeking after us. So one of the things that makes us a challenge to contemplate, though, is is that God is also supremely just. Our God is also this paragon of justice. And so there are, there are things that we deserve because of our bad activities sometimes. And God doesn't negate those either. God notices and wants us to heal from those things, from our sins, from those things that detract from our relationship with others or with him. God sees all of them, and he understands the gravity of them always, and never wants us to choose those things. And... When we find our, whenever we find ourselves in those kind of sinful or drastic situations, God runs to us with mercy, desiring healing for us, desiring restitution, you know, for the, the unjust thing that I've done, but also desiring healing for me in a way that no one else does, in a perfect way that no one else does. Right? This is what we celebrate today, the fact that we we worship and we're called into communion with a God who is shockingly, surprisingly, infinitely merciful. And it's so hard for us to imagine what that's like. So hard, in fact, that we tend to not go to that merciful God. A lot of times we respond to that merciful God in two other extreme ways. Either I will, uh, I, I will keep myself away from silence which is where I contemplate this love, this God, love that God has for me. So I, I might, if I'm struggling with something, if, I, if I'm uh, you know, falling in sin or something like that, I might make myself really busy or just keep a lot of things before my gaze, listen to a lot of noise, always have the music playing, always have the TV on, always have the work going or something like that. That's one response that we tend to have. I... I, I I've done something, I may have done something wrong, or I, I may not uh, feel like I am worthy of the love of God, and so I won't enter into the silence. I will just constantly seek the next thing to occupy my mind. Right? That's one response we tend to have. We avoid the silent love language of God, where God wants to heal us and show us purpose and make us new. That's one response we can have. Or, the other response we can have is we can drastically overestimate the judgment and underestimate the mercy of God. And we can quietly condemn ourselves and live a life in shame. Where I say, I've done this thing and God couldn't possibly uh, heal me from that. God, God is ashamed of me or something like that. And so I'm going to hang out here in my quietness, in my loneliness. That's the other extreme of what we do. We tend to gravitate to one of those things a lot. Making ourselves so filled up with things that we don't have a time to, we don't give God the time to speak to us, 
or we assume that we know what God's going to say to us, you are condemned, and so we condemn ourselves. Neither of those is the Christian way. Neither of those is the authentic God we worship. The God that we come to today knows us so much better than we know ourselves. And in his merciful love, this God comes running to us always, no matter what we have ever done in life. This God wants to heal us. This God wants goodness for us. This God does not want us to feel alone, to feel like we need to hide ourselves in shame. This God runs to us, lifts us up, heals us by his grace, and sets us on a beautiful path. Always. Every single time. No exception. We've never met anybody like that. We've never had another image quite like that. We've seen flashes of it and the beauty that we, and the beauty of relationships that we've had with other people, but no one's ever done it as perfectly as our God does. And so it takes the contemplative heart and, the, and giving God back the gift of our imagination to help us comprehend how grand is God's mercy, how beautiful and perfect is God's justice. And it's... it's Although it's impossible to fully get to, the, get, get to the full extent of that, it's important that we try. It's important that we regularly give God the opportunity to teach us this again. Because the more we heal, the more we find ourselves whole, the more we become the most beautiful image of who we could possibly be by God's grace, that's when the world changes. That's when life becomes infinitely grand. That's when God's kingdom takes root. That's when the faulty kingdoms of earth <coughs> start to fall away, start to lose their luster. And so God, on this Divine Mercy Sunday, I can't thank you enough. I can't praise you enough for your glory and your goodness. Lord, we ask you to bless our imaginations, help us to heal. Heal any of those images of faulty mercy that we might have gotten from other people in our lives. In their place, help us to imagine, to contemplate your surprisingly amazing, forgiving, and healing mercy. Help us to know what you mean when you say that you love us, that you seek us, that you restore us. Help us to receive these gifts from you willingly, gratefully, lovingly so that your kingdom may finally take its root in our world and bear its fruit.
simply show us what mercy means by the response that you give to these prayers. Give us eyes to see your goodness. For we lift up to you all of these prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that our reception of this Paschal Sacrament may have a continuing effect in our minds and our hearts. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. O Lord, and peace, hallelujah, hallelujah.